listening to the Hidden Yardage Podcast on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I'm Mark Lane. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Joined as always by Sean Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. Well, here it is. First loss of the season. Sean into the Arizona Cardinals, who you said would be a problem, and I doubted you. So I I uh I have some cardinal to eat. <laughs> some crow and some cardinal for sure. You know, I hate when I'm right about things that are negative for this team. Certainly the reaction to this game is deservedly not positive right now. And so here we are on a Monday afternoon trying to hopefully sort through some of those initial reactions that that initial feeling of sadness, of course, when you know you suffer your first loss to a team that you know you sort of beat and then kind of just get to the facts of what it means for this team going forward. But yeah, the recent history against the Cardinals was something that we circled as early as, you know, schedule preview type things during the off season. And yet the Cowboys still came in as deservedly two score favorites in this game just because of the dominating efforts they put together in weeks one and two. But the Cardinals held up their end of, you know, you give any NFL team a fourth quarter lead and back to back to back games, which is exactly how it just went for Arizona, they're probably most likely going to find a way to win one of them. And so if you're a Cowboys fan, you hope that especially it would have been one of the first two for the Cardinals because they played NFC's teams, but they it wasn't to be when the Cardinals played the Commanders on the road in week one when they had a fourth quarter lead and the Commanders came back. It wasn't to be when the Giants uh, came back against the Cardinals in the fourth quarter in a big way there in Arizona last week. And that put the Cardinals at 0-2 against teams that the Cowboys are competing in this division with. And then they have a fourth quarter, quarter lead against the Cowboys themselves here in week three. And Jonathan Gannon finds a way to get the win, get his first win as Cardinals head coach. Got something that probably feels nice coming from the Eagles staff that was so competitive against the Cowboys to get a win his first against the Cowboys. And it sends Dallas to a you know an unfortunate 2-1 and one start. I know we'll touch on how we kind of expected some way, how or another for this team to be two and one anyway, but for this to be how they took a two and one start, going forty to nothing, thirty to ten, and then twenty eight sixteen loss to the Cardinals. Certainly a surprising element to it, but yeah, end of the day it's two and one and things could be a lot worse and they could be better based on what we'll talk about with the negatives in this game. And hopefully that's not like Ray Arnold in the control room in Jurassic Park saying during the triceratops being sick things would be a lot worse john a lot worse hopefully it's not like that (laughs) when you say it could be worse um let me ask you this do you think that the result in arizona was because of injuries because i mean if you're missing tyron smith zach martin tyler biotich you know trevon diggs that accounts for something, or do you think that this was a result of flaws that we've seen since training camp? Yeah, this is a week-to-week league. You know, you are what you put on the field most recently, and so now we have the Cowboys' first loss to really dissect your problems. You learn more from Austin. You ever do a win, but we also have the win the week prior against the Jets to, you know, try to frame and contextualize some of those issues that you say we might know about and certainly red zone is the one that everybody's going to highlight and 
the fact that he went two for six in the red zone against the Jets got glossed over by some because, yeah, you were still scoring points. You were seeing Mike McCarthy call plays, I guess, a bit conservatively, if you want to call it that, knowing that he can lean on the defense the way they were shutting down Zach Wilson. And so the Cowboys just took points, continued to take points and comfortably go on to win that game. So this game is the first, you know, real game pressure all the way through the fourth quarter for how could McCarthy adjust and not lean as much on a defense that was, of course, struggling and giving up some big plays and inopportune times to Rondell Moore and Josh Dobbs, a quarterback. And yet the offense, you know, had the uphill battle of playing with multiple backup offensive linemen and trying to get in sync with, you know, a passing game that is still kind of figuring things out as far as what's going to look like when they do have to be forced to throw the ball and not just throwing from ahead and protecting the lead. So, of all the games for McCarthy to have his first, you know, play calling pressure, this wasn't, this was just a perfect storm of, oh, it's going to come when your offensive line is severely compromised and you're going to get at the same time, you know, a bit of a conquer from the defense. So those two things together were really a perfect storm against a team that was much better than their 0 2 record coming in. And that's exactly how the Cardinals controlled this game. But they could have broken differently if not for your red zone efficiency coming off the heels of. A two and six outing against the Jets. You went one of five against the Cardinals. Your first time down there, you scored a touchdown to Rico Dowdle on a screen pass. I feel like the running back usage, especially in the red zone, is a bit out of sync right now. You know, I'm all for these blast plays that Rico Dowdle was making, but when I see Dowdle, he used to be that physical between the tackles running back that's getting some of these red zone touches, and yet. He's making the most of the screen opportunities that maybe you want to see more of Pollard on. And then Pollard is trying to make the most of the, you know, between the tackles, tough yardage, red zone touches. And if he could just break one or two more of them in this game, again, we're talking about a different outcome. But just to quickly run through your other red zone possessions after that doubt or touchdown, you had Pollard up the middle for two, incompletion the Cooks, incompletion again on third down. You settle for a field goal, Dowdle for two, Dowdle for five, holding call on a doga. Third and long, you do hit Jake Ferguson for 10 yards, incomplete to, to I am on fourth down. There was your big red zone turnover, turning point in the game, 21 to 13. The score holds. You had a Gallup 10 yard play in the next possession in the red zone, but then Pollard for two, I am for no gain, incomplete on third. Another field goal, and then of course the back breaking series, incomplete to Gallup, Pollard for two, Pollard for five, Pollard for six, Pollard for a loss of two, Pollard for one clock ticking at this point and the interception comes to really seal your fate in this one. So yeah, we now have two games worth of data to say that this team is struggling in the red zone. I think if you want a positive from McCarthy's play calling in this game, it's that with the offensive line compromise, he still got creative enough, you know, between the twenties to do some things, get the ball out of Prescott's hands, not get your quarterback killed, use some of those speed options and when your playbook is that compromised, though, it's hard to sustain that type of effort. And then in the red zone, things get congested. And I feel like he was already calling red zone type plays in between the 20s because that's how quickly the ball had to come out. So when he got down there, there was some confusion of like, oh, we already kind of called these quick hitters. Now what can we do? We don't have that dominant tight end to throw to. And that led, you know, led to a 28-16 outcome that could have been much different. Again, going back to last week where I talked about how they had 18 third down attempts. This week they had 16, tied for the fifth most on, you know, among the Sunday games. And, again, I think that just goes back to, um, you know, encountering too many third downs 
in their first down and second down efficiency. Because if you can stay out of those third downs, you know, and just make your yards on first and second down, that's where you really start dictating the game. Not so much uh, converting all of these third downs. It's so interesting, the nuances between, you know, just already early on still in McCarthy's first year of being the head guy for this offense and calling the plays in, in tandem with, with what Brian Schottenheimer was installed to how we used to talk about Kelly Moore, who we, of course, had, you know, much bigger sample size than what we currently have under McCarthy. But, you know, with third down under Moore, we always talked about, oh, you're not giving Prescott a chance. It's, he has to play hero ball. And now, you know, we're seeing McCarthy almost embrace third down because he knows that he, it's usually third and manageable, what, what we would call third and short, and you're able to take shots that you, know, you have a lot of faith in Prescott to complete. But if you're calling those same plays on first and second down, as you alluded to, you should be able to hit on some bigger plays in those situations to not constantly have to face third downs where you know a defense like Gannon can call a lot of different things. First and second down, look, this is a, a frame of the Eagles defense. Just picture the Eagles but in red, and that's the defense that you played against tonight. and First and second down, what do we usually see? You know, off coverage, cloud coverage, not to not to take too many risks. All that can change easily on any third down distance coming after you in different ways and coming after Adoga who's starting at left tackle and TJ Bass at right guard. I mean, that's just inviting, not wanting to play for a lot of third downs. And instead, McCarthy just kind of didn't have a great feel for how this game was playing out. Yeah, he did well to keep Prescott upright in this game and, you know, kind of just manage the game that way. But you're not playing a week three game that already at 2-0 and just to manage. You're playing the win still, of course. They're just playing the season. And, you know, as the clock was ticking there in the fourth quarter and some of these red zone opportunities kept slipping away, the game decidedly fell out of your hands because of the offensive inefficiency and not being able to get more of those throw downs that you've been used to picking up so far. I think injuries did affect the defense. I think the Trayvon Diggs injury late in the practice week heading into week three had an effect but I don't think it'll have an effect going forward I think Dan Quinn will get that figured out oh absolutely I mean you have to have trust in in Quinn this is not going to be a fun week for McCarthy you know I'm not going to bag on it anymore but just some of those points I made about his mistakes in this game they're going to be amplified by the national media and they're going to be brought up in Dallas press conference so it's not necessarily going to be a fun week for him but Quinn will have some questions to address too of course about you know the first real adversity that this defense has faced but yeah we we should have the trust to see this through and have things figured out you know Deron Bland was still able to hold his own on the outside he's still learning what's going to be like to play full-time out there Jordan Lewis can fill in in the slot, Donovan Wilson already made an immediate impact playing safety, which helps you keep options open in the corner if you wanted to, you know, play a guy like Israel McClamu there or continue to get different looks at corner if you're going to need to. But I feel like the biggest immediate change that they have to adjust to and, you know, just having a couple of days worth of knowing Diggs was going to be out wasn't enough time to prepare for this. But the most noticeable thing was, you know, having to pull Zayron Coase a little bit from his box role. And yeah, Wilson filled in well there, but without the two of them in that area, the Cardinals really had some success running the ball up the middle. That big Rondell Moore run, your two defensive tackles on the field, 
not, Mozzie Smith with Jonathan Hankins, who you might like to see. Chauncey Golston, and I believe it was also Diggy Zewer as well. So, you know, the Cardinals really took advantage of some of these pass rushers for the Cowboys. Diggy Zewer, of course, being one of your best alongside Parsons so far this year. Getting upfield and then running behind it. And Rondell Moore being a receiver, he had no problem, you know, getting to the second level of speed that nobody was going to catch. So instead of having your best run defense out there, the Cardinals took advantage of some over-aggressiveness by this Cowboys defense. So, yeah, the adjustments are going to continue to be made, but you weren't just blowing coverages left and right because you didn't have digs. You weren't getting picked on by Josh Dobbs, you know, throw in and throw out. Sean, 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 come to your triangle. Come to your triangle. What are the three points you're trying to make here? Yeah, I wish it was the uh, triangle of triumph, as you know, all Cowboys fans do, but we'll save that for next time they get back in a win column these, these weeks ahead. But yeah, defensively, you know, I think it was just short notice for having a rally around playing without Javon Diggs. Of course, you can't understate how much he means to this defense, to you know the league, really, for his ability to take the ball away, be a shutdown corner. I mean, it's one of the best players in the NFL at his position that you lost for the season in a midweek practice. That doesn't give you a lot of time to both mentally refocus and you know schematically figure out what you're going to do about an offense that throws a lot of different looks at you. Josh Dobbs is the quarterback you saw last year, actually, if you remember that kind of throwaway Thursday night football Amazon Prime game against the Tennessee Titans when Tannehill was hurt, but the game had no playoff implications for either side. That was Josh Dobbs starting for the Titans, but that was, of course, the Titans' offense that kind of called for keeping him in the pocket more and not really playing to his strengths. Well, now he's been playing to his strengths. I already alluded to how that's gotten him fourth quarter leads and his first two starts of the Cardinals, surprisingly, and now in this game, he did enough to hold on. So, Preparing without Trayvon Diggs for an offense that throws misdirection at you, it throws deep shots on one-on-one man coverage, it has speed, it has a run game. All of these things without Diggs on short notice for Dan Quinn to figure out is probably asking a little bit too much, and that's why I said it was the perfect storm of, I don't know, knocking my power out mid-episode here, set up to that, but perfect storm of that happening in the game where McCarthy has to call plays with three backup offensive linemen in the game. So... You put those together and almost any NFL team is going to you know, have an advantage against anybody else and you don't read too much into the Cowboys being two score favorites coming in because of how the you know, inactive list and everything of those sorts played out on the defensive line. I think that you just couldn't kind of get things set against those Cardinals locks. I mentioned having Oso Digizua and Chauncey Golson as your two defensive tackles instead of any of your run stuffers in on a handoff to Rondell Moore. You know, you're treating him as a receiver. Even though he's in the backfield, you have the pass rush going instead. And the Cardinals really did a good job taking advantage of the aggression of the Cowboys' pass rush, getting up the field, pinning Micah Parsons in the backfield, and then being able to hit some big plays, stepping up in the pocket, and getting out in space with some numbers because of that. So you hit on that one where Odegizua or Golston couldn't get to Moore, and it was easy work of the secondary once you know, a receiver takes a handoff like that is able to get upfield, and he goes from one of the back-breaking touchdowns in this game. And then, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, going forward on that fourth down there, but you're doing so because you trust the defense as you have all year. And, yeah, they got off the field, but it killed a lot more clock than you would have liked to see. Yeah, you pin the Cardinals back down there near the end of the third quarter. But just by getting one first down, which they got by throwing that jump ball against 
Stephon Gilmore down the sideline, and Marquise Brown makes a heck of a catch for 23 yards. Just that one play allowed by the defense, which can happen you know, to anybody, was enough for the Cardinals to take that drive all the way to the end of the third quarter before Parsons said no more and had the sack that got the Cowboys the ball back. But at that point, it was the Cardinals with all the confidence in the world going into yet another game for fourth quarter lead, and that's all they really needed at home to make sure they were going to get in the win call. I do not approve of passing on points. I think that this is more of that smartest guy in the room type stuff that was going on when Kellen Moore was around. And, you know, you just need to take the points. I know it's conservative. I know it's not flashy. I know that Cowboy Bebots, you know, graphs or whatever say to do whatever. But (laughs) in a situation like that, you take the points because look, they came back, red zone troubles, and then they needed the touchdown, and then they kicked the field goal anyway. So when they came back down, when Dak threw the interception, they would have just been melting clock to kick the game-winning field goal at that point. So you always take the points. Yeah, I really wanted to see a field goal there. You know, you talk about trusting this defense. Well. Do so by continuing to turn the screws on Josh Dobbs. I mean, you kick the field goal there, you keep drawing closer, you keep putting him in game pressure situations, and then maybe we're talking about the pass rush in a different light. We're not talking about them, you know, getting too aggressive up the field and giving up big runs. We're talking about them actually getting the Dobbs because he has to continue to throw in a tighter game. So I was definitely very confused by not kicking the field goal there. McCarthy differing from you know, selling a different way of trusting this defense by saying we're going to go for it because even if we don't get it, we'll trust that they're not going to drive the length of the field on us. But they killed enough clock to the point where the rest of your game script was thrown out. And when you did get back down there, you were running the football, watching, running out the clock on yourself, basically. And it, as you said, you could have been running it to kick. That would have been fine. But instead, you're running it, needing a score and a two-point conversion. And you didn't even get that score because of the interception that came on a desperation throw down first. So you got away from your own game script by being aggressive there. And it definitely cost you. Yeah, and and that's, uh, again, just something that as part of the game management with Mike McCarthy, you got to look at and just wonder um, if this is going to end up costing the Cowboys later down the line. Because... Um, you know, he's had things like this happen. Remember week two against the Chargers in 2021 where they barely uh, kicked that game-winning field goal. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's concerning, especially when you've got that makeshift offensive line. Just take the points. I get it if you had your entire offensive line in there, you know, and you could dictate what was going on, but it just was hard to put points on the board as it was. Why pass on three? And this is a rose-colored glasses take, take for sure, but, I mean, there, there are not a lot of teams in the NFL matched up against anybody that would be able to play with three backup offensive linemen and keep a game within 28-16 like the Cowboys just did. I mean, you want a sign, even from a loss, that this team is talented. It's that right there. Three backup offensive linemen, one of the finest positions across the board in the entirety of this sport right now at the highest level, and they kept this within 28-16 against, oh, I know people are going to say the Cardinals are the worst team in football. 
again, as I've been saying also, and even leading into this week, Cardinals were better than their 0-2 record coming into this game. And it's not an excuse that you sort of drop this game and how much it can come back to hurt you is, you know, up for debate until you really see what the Eagles do or what you do head-to-head against the Eagles. But three backup off at time and keeping the game respectable and having a chance all the way into the fourth quarter, that's even further proof of what we saw weeks one and two, where, of course, the Cowboys proved how talented they were in big blowout wins against lesser teams, that this team is good. And that's why, even after loss, we can come on here and talk about those nuance-type things with McCarthy managing the game and costing his team points and things like that. You know, it's easy to talk about that stuff after a win because it's more hypothetical, if you will. It's more, oh, well, at some point they're going to have to address this, but let's talk about what was good from the win. But yeah, in a loss, it's much easier to say, you know, these things cost you. And yeah, they cost you in a game where even in a loss, your talent was still on display because they were respectable without three key offensive linemen, and that's almost unheard of in today's game. And then, of course, you throw the Diggs injury, which happened midweek, right on top of that, too. So it is something that we're going to have to really keep a close eye on with McCarthy and monitor how they address, you know, who else can take some of those game day responsibilities and what's Brian Schottenheimer's game day role really been like because, you know, just watching McCarthy stand there kind of idly and pacily and continue to call run plays without the sense of urgency that this team needed to have down there was a pretty glaring sign that, you know, the game day operations for this team could continue to cost them, especially when you have teams like the 49ers coming up in New England as early as next week and some really more important games that you can hope don't make this Cardinals game any type of pattern where that's what's costing you games to post just the injuries or other things that this one in particular will get pinned on. Well, again, uh, going back to the backup offensive linemen like you were talking about. Um, well, you know, there was a team on Sunday that did actually have a bunch of their starters out and beat the, the reigning division champion of you know, their division, like I said, uh, on Sunday. But still, even in that game, there was, you had to have just considerable luck. And that's what Dallas didn't have. Um, not so much luck, but just the fortune with the turnovers. They didn't even have that. They didn't even have a takeaway. And they lost the turnover battle. Yeah, Dobbs came into this game really completing a high percentage of his passes and We've been talking about that as a staple of Dak Prescott's first two games. He's high efficiency, West Coast throws. Well, that's exactly how Dobbs has been playing as well in this Cardinals offense. So I didn't necessarily see it as a game where you were just going to be able to feast on turnovers. You know, yeah, maybe if you built the lead, you'd be able to tee off on getting to Dobbs, getting a fumble that way or forcing him into a throw like that. But yeah, immediately the Cardinals jumped out to the lead instead and threw that away. So just how much this team is going to be dependent on playing with the lead and can they be a hard-nosed enough defense to, you know, play these tough punch-for-punch games and and still support this team even when the offense is struggling or when the offense just needs, you know, some more time in the game to find its footing and buying time to where you're not down two scores in the fourth quarter. But if this is a one-score game, how much would that have changed? That's that's definitely worth monitoring going, going forward with this team based on, as any season progresses, you could have to find different ways to win. And so weeks one through three is a pretty good snapshot of what you did early on, at least put some wins in the bank. 
And so far, we have two wins carried by the defense and one where the defense couldn't get it done, compounded by the offense, making you know one too many mistakes to even keep you within one score of a winless team. Yeah, and one of the elements of the offense that I'm curious about is how harmed do you think the offense really is by not having a proven tight end? Now, let me explain. Doesn't mean Jake Ferguson won't be. Doesn't mean Luke Schoonmaker won't be. But for now, you really don't have that proven tight end like you had last year with Dalton Schultz. And do you think that the Cowboys offense right now is harmed by not having such a tight end on the roster? Oh, I absolutely do. I think it's significant. That's a good eye by you. Observing such in this game, particularly on the fourth down play that we've been harping on, the turnover down there in the red zone going for it instead of kicking a field goal. I feel like Ferguson really did a bad job not being able to uncover, you know, run a better route against that zone to um, give Prescott some type of option. I was confused by the play call in terms of coming out of that little trips. There wasn't an underneath drag that you could have taken advantage of. There was definitely space for that route to develop, and we've seen Prescott already hit it a million times this season, and that could have changed that play. But Ferguson comes out of his break and just immediately steers himself into coverage, doesn't give Prescott any kind of target, and he has to look away and then scramble and then throw a desperation pass. So you're not having that tight end threat in the red zone. is really significant right now. We know that they can, they're can. they trying to make up for it by you know, outflanking teams with their speed that other guys can give you, like receivers, Brandon Cooks, and where was Kavate Turpin being featured in this game? Would I like to see more of that? They're doing so with throws to the running backs. Rico Daddles making a surprising impact there. Tony Pollard, we know what he can continue to do with the ball in his hands, both running it and catching. So they're trying to, you know, by proxy, make up for what tight ends are good for, particularly in the red zone, by throwing it to more of these skill players. But other teams are able to adjust to that much better than you can when tight ends get matched up with defensive ends or linebackers. That's where you want to be throwing. So they don't have that right now, especially in this game with the offensive line. So depleted, the Cardinals are able to know that any tight end out there is probably in to block, and we don't even have to respect the, the threat of a pass when you would have liked to be able to open up that element, you know, put your tight ends out there thinking that you need them in pass protection and then pop one behind the defense. We didn't see that. We didn't see Prescott able to target the middle of the field enough against a defense that can be pretty soft there. So, yeah, the lack of a big tight end presence right now is definitely hurting this team. It's not like a foreign thing that we didn't discuss this offseason potentially as far as needing some time to develop an unproven position group. So you said it best that you know we don't know if it's going to be the case where this carries on all season long. But, yeah, they're going to need to find a way to get more from these tight ends especially after the review to tape of this game, no doubt. Well, that's something that Mike McCarthy has talked about ever since, well, we'll call it 2021, because, you know, 2020 was just different. But basically, that they're going to need their younger players to step up earlier because they're counting on them. And I think tight end definitely is one of those positions where they're expecting those guys to really bring kind of a veteran presence but you can see that they're not yet developed even in their second year to do that but you know by the end of this season they'll probably have it and own it but they're just not at at Schultz level yet. I know my own answer to this but you know curious to use how much because I didn't I'll give my thoughts briefly you know afterwards but 
I didn't see a team that, you know, played like they overlooked the Cardinals, which I know is an attractive headline to say anytime the Cowboys lose to lesser teams. I'm sure we're still going to see it and deal with it and have to respond to it throughout this week now, starting here on Monday. But, you know, how much this week internally, though, because we know about the heat they took and will continue to take for the practice injuries and what's going on at the start during these actual practices. But, you know, how much do you think there was some overlooking in their preparation for this game in terms of let's just focus on our own issues and not let this get to the, not let, you know, the combined score of 70 to 10 so far get to their heads. If we just play the way we play and clean up our own stuff, sure we can do so against the Cardinals and have another big score. So we're just going to focus internally and kind of, Clean, try to clean up our own mistakes and hope that's good enough to go out there against the Cardinals as opposed to really honing in on, you know, having to put a full game plan in and really scout this team to the level that, you know, they came out there on Sunday looking a bit unprepared at times. Uh, by the way, in regards to the practice injuries and everything, at the start, I just want to point out that this is something that is going on across the league, really, in terms of or at least checkerboard. So it's not just exclusive to the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy is dumb. Um, but the motivation to practice harder is definitely there. I mean, we've been around enough coaches, and when I notice myself, when your team is playing great as a coach, you have to double down and you know telling them basically how bad you think they are. You know, when they're playing bad, it's easy because I know they play bad and they come in motivated. When they're playing as great as the Cowboys did in weeks one and two, you have no choice but to basically come in there and say, you know, you guys are terrible. We're going to practice really hard because that's the only way you continue to get anything out of them. And whether or not that's conducive to more injuries, I mean, that's impossible to say because injuries can happen on a fluke or you get rolled up or you step on a toe. It's football. So those things are happening. But you have to ramp up the intensity of your practices when you're seemingly going as well as the Cowboys were for the first two weeks. And with that intensity, definitely could come a higher risk of injuries, whether we know it or not, as far as how these things happen to Diggs and Martin and uh, Tyron Smith. Is this a case of a coach on record who struggles with the softer terms of the collective bargaining agreement? Yes. And that's what I'm saying is there are other coaches like that across the league that, and I think that's what's happening is because remember in uh, off season um, workouts, you know, McCarthy was talking about, Oh, you know, he can't do as much as he could in the old days and all this type of stuff. And now that we're in the season, I think it's kind of the same thing, but like I said, this is happening in other NFL cities, not just in Dallas. And death wise, you should be relatively pleased with, you know, how guys, Stepped up defensively. You, st- you know, the start of this game was looking like you were going to give up 35, 40 points easy, and you buckled down to keep it within 28. So, for those adjustments to be able to happen both on the fly coming into the game because you lost Diggs on a Thursday, and then also on the fly snap to snap in this game against the Cardinals team that threw a lot of different things at you, that bodes well for you know being able to put your head down and get a whole other week without Javon Diggs, of course, and prepare in some different ways now for the offense is ahead of you. And then on offense, playing with these backup linemen and still able to get the ball out of Prescott's hands and function and not have another burning of Atlanta game where he's a sitting duck in the pocket. So relatively, you know, you should be pleased with the death of this team and how they stepped up. It's just a matter of these were two professional NFL teams out there. Uh, we just did a 
not a great job, you know, underestimating the Cardinals from a media perspective, saying that they were going to roll over and they're the worst team in football, and they're really not. And you know, we have some other 0-3 teams that are clearly now behind them as they improve to 1-2 and two and get their first win under a new coach. So this was just two professional teams, and the one of the more deaf concerns, like the Cowboys, did their best to really stay in it and did so, but lost out to one that is playing with the same group that they've had in two games that they've already could have won. And then you might have been talking about 2-0 and versus 2-0. and So in the scheme of inches type league, it was really just that type of game. And that's why overall, you know, I'm not panicking nearly at the level that other Cowboys fans will be. Well, I mean, they are 2-1 two, two and one after all. I mean, weren't folks expecting this anyway? I mean, in some of their prognostications for the season or they, the schedule comes out and you predict the schedule wouldn't 2-1 and one after the first three games have been acceptable? Yeah, I think as soon as the Jets game you know, transitioned to being one that was going to be against Zach Wilson, the hype for being undefeated going into that 49ers game you know, got out of control a bit, and that's why you threw out the 2-1 and one because the more juicy headline would have been, let's go into that night game undefeated, and maybe the Niners will be undefeated too, and then you can really talk about, you know, here's best versus best, and let's go make that statement now. Of course, there's it'll still be a chance for the Cowboys to make a statement anytime they play the team that's bounced them from the playoffs the last two years. So they'll still have that opportunity, whether they have one loss going in or however it gets set up. But yeah, I think once that potential Aaron Rodgers matchup got shifted to a much easier winnable game against Zach Wilson, that's where that came from, knowing that the 49ers were coming up and you wanted to stockpile wins before that. But yeah, one way or another, two and one was definitely a realistic way to look at these first three games, even with the Giants game. We got to come on and have a whole lot of fun after 40 to nothing, but last year you played two one-score games against the Giants, so that could have been the game right there in a different you know universe with Mark Lane here that could have gone a different way. So you have a lot of things that have happened so far this year to bring you back down to earth in terms of how these games have played out, none more so, though, than the game we're reacting to right now, which is, of course, a pretty ugly loss, all things considered, 28-16 to this Cardinals team. But it evens out your record to a point where you thought it could be two and one winnable game against the Patriots coming up, and then your goal was three and one going into San Francisco week, about as good as you can ask for. Yeah, um, I think that if they can just bounce back from this, you know, and have a little momentum, <laughs> it'll be interesting if they drop the Patriots game, and then I mean it's going to be just absolutely the end of the world going into that 49ers game. Um, but, you know, we've talked about oh, yeah. that, and we will when we get to the 49ers week, about how that just whole, that whole stretch coming up really kind of defines the season. But uh, don't worry, Sean. Look, That Dolphins game in December looks a little bit scary, doesn't it? 70 burger in the NFL. Me and you were talking some college football on Saturday, watching your hogs against LSU, and what a slight that was. Of course, the walk-off in Ohio State Notre Dame, fantastic Saturday college football. But once you turn on Sunday games, you don't expect to see 70 burgers. How about that from Mike McDaniel? Yeah, I have a theory on that. Um, but I think that, you know, the last time the Cowboys – Went 3-0 with Dak Prescott, 2019, and they beat the Dolphins, and they missed the playoffs anyway. So there you go. <laughs> All kinds of foreshadowing, yeah. We like to do that here, so we'll have to circle back to uh, 
all that, but you know, we're not circling back to Philly and O, which, as you said, there could potentially be a good thing if you read the teal leaves of what happened the last time this happened for this team. Again, you learn so much more from a loss. I mean, this is going to be a really adverse week. It's going to be a week where you know this team needs to, of course, and they need to do so after wins as well, but not listen to you know what's being said about them, especially after a loss like this. So they need to really count on their leaders this week. Now, that'll be interesting to see who steps up because Diggs is one of those leaders, and now at least being on the field with the team, that's not an option for him out for the UFD ACL. So it's a big week for the veteran leadership of this team to, you know, step up, get past the noise, know that, of course, everything is still in front of this team. And this loss does not become something more big picture than it needs to be when you have a very clear opportunity to bounce back against a Patriots team that features, you know, a pocket passer in Mac Jones where the pass rush can really tee off. Defensively, they don't, they're not, you know, as crazy as they used to be under Belichick as far as throwing a lot of different looks. You can still get favorable matchups against this Belichick defense and find ways to target CDOM and get him involved in the same way he was in this game. So the matchups and the ability to bounce back is right there in front of this team. And the leadership just needs to realize that and, you know, make sure this loss doesn't spiral out of control for him. Indeed. All right, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays before we get out of here on Monday. Datwin played linebacker. Everybody loved him. Uh, turns 48 years old. And on Tuesday, Byron Jones, cornerback, turns 31. He's with Cowboys from 2015 to 2019. And then on Friday, Ken Norton Jr. turns 57 years old. He's with Dallas from 1988 to 1993. Played linebacker. Son of, yes, the late, great heavyweight champion, Ken Norton. Um, and those are your Cowboys' birthdays. Yeah, the theme of this week's birthday was seems to be, you know, fan favorite type players, really all memorable names who all made their stamp in Cowboys history. I was just getting into draft stuff when the Cowboys were leading up to the draft when they selected Byron Jones. So to see, you know, the reaction when he broke the uh, combine long jump record was pretty cool because I was just getting into, you know, knowing what some of those metrics meant and which drills are important and which positions. And then you see a DB do something like that and how much it meant to, you know, the Twitter scouts and everybody in between reacting to it and then thinking that that would, almost that alone would put him out of reach for the Cowboys picking in the 20s there and then seeing him slide on draft night, knowing you can get that type of player, drafting him and having that shut down corner in Byron for the years he was here, of course, before moving on to the Dolphins uh, was definitely cool to see. By the way, coming up this week, Dallas, New England, nobody, and I mean nobody, understands defensive football more than Bill Belichick, and that includes Lawrence Taylor. So with whatever Bill Belichick is going to say about Micah Parsons this week, that is going to be the absolute just you know, religious statement on Michael Parsons. I mean, this is going to be it. So whatever Bill Belichick says about Michael Parsons this week, Cowboys fans, you listen. That's a terrific point. I'm, I'm actually you know, hearing that live. I'm going to make a point to, a, you know, try to actually listen live to, at least on replay, of course, to some, some Belichick quotes to hear about that. And I know New England fans have constantly been trying to, read the teal leaves on what Belichick really thinks about Mac Jones and is he holding this team back or is he happy with him or 
you know, does he have enough responsibility in the offense to even do anything about any of Jones' shortcomings and things like that. So it'll be interesting to compare, you know, take that a step further and compare what he thinks Jones does coming out of the game against Parsons to negate some of those and give his quarterback a chance in a matchup where he's seen Prescott and he's head-to-heads before really get the better of uh, the Belichick's defense. Of course, the walk-off a couple of years ago in New England is about as good as it got that year for that for Kellen Moore's offense, see the Lamb scores the overtime touchdown, and from there the offense kind of sputtered. So we'll see if it has a similar effect with McCarthy. But yeah, a lot of pressure on both McCarthy and Dan Quinn this week. But as you're paying attention to the Cowboys staff, that's a great point by you there, Mark. Tune into uh, what Belichick has to say about Parsons because it'll should be interesting. Yeah, he talked today sometime, so I'm sure they can find that. He'll talk again on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, and then, um, yeah, then after the game. So, yeah, what Bill Belichick says about Michael Parsons, because, oh, he was a rookie, who cares? But now that there's such a body of work on Parsons to this point, what Belichick says about him now, that's going to be just the absolute stamp. And as far as putting a game on tape that, you you know, is almost a nightmare scenario for knowing that it's Belichick and the Patriots preparing for you the next week, this might be it for the Cowboys. You know, certainly we'd feel better if we see on the active list next Sunday that you have Tyron Smith and Zach Martin back, and that changes what New England can gather from this tape compared to what they're actually about to go up against. But you know, the fact that this is the game that the Patriots get to watch and prepare and find your tendencies from, you know, definitely a slight step in the in the wrong direction for the Cowboys coming into next week, but still more than enough reason at home to think that they can get this bounce back. So we'll wait and see how they look going into San Fran week. You can't call this Cardinals loss a, you know, letdown type trap game because trap game only implies that they are looking one week ahead. You know, nobody gets caught looking two weeks ahead in the NFL. So trap game is only if they had their eyes on their next game and this Dallas team wasn't looking ahead to New England of all teams. So that needs to go away. But now that they are actually in New England week, they should understand the added pressure of knowing that the Patriots are watching what happened against the Cardinals and trying to pin this team to playing the same type of game and get the same type of outcome from you know, both sides of the ball for the Cowboys. And won't it be the adventure? He's Sean Martin. Follow him on Twitter. Sean Martin NFL. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage Podcast on Apple, Spotify. Tune in. Stitcher, any more storms? No? Okay, so there it is. Yeah.